Hey friends, and welcome to Art Lab. We have something different on tap today, so I'm skipping our usual intro. Rather than a chat you know, with just you and me, it's gonna be a chat with you and me and my brother Kevin, Kevin Manasco, who is a licensed mental health practitioner. He's a cognitive behavioral therapist, so he specializes in anxiety and OCD. And before you click this off, <laughs> that is gonna be really, really applicable and related to creating practice because we are you know heading into that conversation through a very specific issue that a lot of creative people deal with and that is perfectionism but I'm just really excited for you to hear this conversation we had a great conversation and yeah I think there's going to be some super helpful stuff here so if you are somebody who struggles with perfectionism if you feel like it's something that gets in the way for you with your creative practice I hope you'll join us hope you'll stick around and um, yeah without any further ado here uh, is my conversation with Kevin Kev, I have been really excited to have you on for a while now because, you know, as you know, we were talking about the idea of a podcast um, last fall and, you know, you were one of the first people I talked with about it and, uh, you know, podcast aside, you and I chat a lot. You're one of my closest friends. We talk about thoughts and feelings and the things that motivate us, the thing, the ways that we make decisions, what supports or gets in the way of that. And, you know, as a part of that, one of our, uh, I would say, perennial conversation topics is perfectionism. And it's something that, you know, you and I both have struggled with and have dealt with in, in our own ways. So you understand it, like, as a human being, you understand it on a personal level. And, uh, and then you also interact with it, with that subject, and um, support other people uh, through that with your work and your job. So you understand it on, like, a, a personal and a professional level. So um, can you paint a little bit of a picture for us about, like, what it, it could look like if you're somebody who, who struggles with perfectionism? Like, what are some places that it can show up? How can it manifest in, um, how can it manifest in, like, an individual's life? So um, something that I see come up a lot is perfect perfectionism within academic performance. Mm -hmm. um, and that can look a couple of different ways for the same person. So some of the really common examples that I see are one, avoidance. So think about like a big project coming up and the closer that project becomes, in all likelihood, the more you're going to be forced to think about the project. And in thinking about the work that needs to get done and thinking about the amount of time it's going to take or the effort or the possible judgment from, you know, peers, if it's a presentation or, or your teacher, um, if it's just like a paper, uh, the, the closer it gets, the more uncomfortable it can become. And so one way of managing and getting away from some of that discomfort is just procrastination. Just don't do it, right? Or just push it off for another day. And that's certainly a style um, I used a lot during college uh, was uh, avoidance, right? And the benefit of avoidance is that in the short term, it's super duper effective at reducing distress and suffering. And obviously there are some longer term consequences where it, it might actually make the problem uh, more challenging. Hmm. Oh, as I say, I can totally see like how, you know, you're, you're talking about it in an academic context, but I feel like there's a very direct <laughs> translation even to how it can show up in creativity because you know you're anticipating 
everything from your you know, fear about like whether you're actually going to be able to execute the idea to your standards to like if it's going to live up to what you have in your head if it's going to be you know you're preparing for or anxious about your own <laughs> your own critical feedback and then you know when it comes time to actually you know sharing it or presenting it or whatever like then that adds a whole other layer right yeah and there's a real risk in doing that right there's a risk in in stalling the behavior that you know needs to happen or whatever mm -hmm. whatever creation you're doing or whatever project you're working on waiting to like feel the right way about it and and that's a problem that we'll probably talk about a lot later like waiting to feel motivated to do something or waiting to feel like really confident in doing something and the the challenge is that may never occur or that may occur well after your deadline um so so this general style of, of avoidance. That's, I think, one way that we could think about how perfectionism might show up. Um, a, a different way, but I think emotionally accomplishes a pretty similar goal, we could think of as overperformance or um, overworking, uh, overpracticing. I see a lot of people who will do something like they'll uh, have a draft of a paper and they'll rewrite the draft many, 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 many times. Um, and and in, in some ways, right, editing work is really important and really helpful and is a great way to learn. Um, but there are, are diminishing benefits from that practice, particularly if you allow yourself to engage in editing mid-process. So a mistake that a lot of people will make, um, again, sticking with academics for a second, but we can translate this easily to art, would be something like, you sit down and you keep attempting to write the intro paragraph, but the intro paragraph is not as good as you want. You're not saying exactly what you need it to say or hope it will say. And so you keep doing it again and again and again and again without necessarily creating much of the bulk or the outline of the project itself. So um, if you're trying to and, create and, and edit at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and there can be real challenges in attempting to do that. Um, so you could think of sort of this overworking or reworking the problem as it's a very different looking behavior than avoidance, right? And you could look at that and say, oh, those are completely different things. Um, but in, in some cases, maybe not all cases, but in a lot of cases, people are dealing with a really similar kind of emotional discomfort, which their their attempt at managing that whatever we want to call it, that fear, that concern um, around being able to make something really good, that uh, emotion might be really strongly fueling and influencing the behavior. Um, and so we've all, it, I mean, assuming, you know, we did creative writing in like high school, we probably all learned about creating outlines and then doing drafts and then editing them after we have sort of the, the meat and bones of whatever that project is. Um, which I'd say broadly is a really great strategy, but yeah, we can step on our own toes by wanting things to be just so, and then struggling when we aren't able to get that result relatively quickly. So you mentioned, you know, in your description there, uh, a moment ago, you mentioned that some of these behaviors, either this, um, avoidance or overperformance that, you know, not starting or and not finishing that they can have some, some risks. And like the more that you do those things, 
uh, and the more that those things become kind of ingrained as a part of your process, that, that that can have some risks. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, it's kind of a big topic, but I think the short version is that we do really well with patterns and we do really well with repeating specific behavior. We and being humans. Of, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so thinking about something like little, I generally put my right shoe on um, whenever I'm putting a pair of shoes on. I usually put my right shoe on first. If you ask people like, what shoe do they put on first? What pants, like which leg of their pants do they put on first? If, if you wear makeup, like which side of your face do you start with? Most people would be able to answer and tell you, oh yeah, I guess I, I, guess I normally do this side first or that side first. Um, so we know that that happens in, in part because we develop these neural pathways and the more we practice a particular behavior, like playing an instrument or writing an essay, um, playing with our dog, right? That there are specific ways that we're, we're more likely to continue engaging in that behavior. And the more that we practice it, um, the, the deeper we set those neural pathways. It's like a, a rut in the road that the wheel wants to fall into and follow. Even if you want to go a slightly different direction, that might be tough because the wheel might be most comfortable falling into this groove that you've created from years and years of practice. So procrastination, for example, like anything, can end up being a practiced skill. And for a lot of us, myself included, um, I succeeded most of the time in procrastination, meaning that um, I both delayed getting the work done and then I was usually able to get the work done and do a decent, you know, passable um, uh, quality of work within, uh, within the limited time frame, which makes it more likely that I'm going to want to do that same behavior again, right? Because we, we usually engage in behavior that either is effective and working for us or has historically in the past uh, was effective or, or was working for us. Um, so the more that we practice a given skill, whatever that skill might be, the more likely we are to do that again in the future. In your experience, do you feel like is perfectionism usually something that comes up at the beginning you know, at, at, for a beginner, like whatever it is, you know, if it's a, somebody who's a beginning composer or a beginning painter, or even like, you know, a beginning mountain climber, <laughs> is it, is it something that shows up more for beginners, like at that phase, or can it be present regardless of what phase you're at? Like, even if you have a little bit more experience, if you've been doing something for a while, is it possible that somebody like me could still struggle with perfectionism? That somebody who is like established and it has like a track record of like getting things done and putting them out there. Yeah, I would say that it could show up for anyone. And whether you're starting a new skill or you're just continuing to pursue your own growth edge in whatever um, field or practice you have, I, I'd say that it it can show up anywhere. And, and again, just in terms of trying to conceptualize what we even mean by perfectionism, I think we're, we're talking about a pattern where we're giving a decent amount of um, attention and energy towards wanting um, an outcome and, and wanting the final thing that we create or produce or perform to be of a certain quality and caliber. 
And of course it makes sense that we have an attachment to doing things well and doing things in a, in a good way, a quality way. But is, is our attachment towards this long-term goal that maybe we don't have complete control over, is that some kind of a barrier or, or roadblock to us being able to even start the process or continue the process, um, whether that's at the beginning, the middle, or the end. So I would say that, yeah, that could occur for anyone. I guess on that note, on that note of like how ever present and, you know, it's a chameleon, it can change, it can evolve, it can come up in different ways. Like what are, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who feels like they're struggling with this, you know, in one of these ways that we have talked about, if, if perfectionism is showing up for you, if it's, if you're feeling really hung up on things being a very particular way, really needing to have a certain outcome, um, you know, and that makes you have a hard time getting started or saying, okay, actually this is just, this is done. I can share this now. Um, what are some things, what are some like tools or practices that people could experiment with? Um, you know, if they're feeling like these things are, you know, like you said earlier, if they're, if they're getting in the way, you know, if they're, if they're causing distress, if they're stopping you from taking action on the kinds of things that you want to do. So if they're stopping you from like making and sharing the creative work that you want to make and share, um, what are some practices that people could try? So part of what we would want to figure out is when you do try to make your work, what's happening? What are you, what are you noticing? And one of the things we would want to think about is what emotions are getting in the way or showing up for you or, or thoughts or physical sensations, um, you know, like knots in your stomach or nausea or butterflies or shakiness, right? What are the things that you can notice that seem to be a barrier to you doing the kind of work that you would like to do. You know, for, for you, for example, you know that you have uh, quite a bit of skill and, and practice in certain areas. So you're, you're certainly capable of creating work, right? And, and you've, you've got like a long history of evidence to say that, that yeah, you're, you're capable of, of doing these things. Um, so we know it's not necessarily a lack of skill or a lack of ability to work on projects, um, but rather it, it might be some really uncomfortable internal experiences or physical experiences. So what I would suggest to someone struggling with this is that we want to start to tear down those barriers that are getting in the way of you being able to function in the way that you would like to function. or start to remove those barriers that are creating suffering um, that you would rather not have to experience long-term. That requires a great deal of vulnerability and bravery though, um, in intentionally being willing to practice something that you're not good at already or, or practice something that you're not as good as you want to be. That's a really, really vulnerable position to be in. And it's almost certainly going to cause some real uh, discomfort. Um, so I think that's a common story I run into. And so I'd say that if you're trying to create work and then your brain is presenting you with this story or you're experiencing, you know, whatever emotional or physical sensation that's provoking some pain and some discomfort, that's the barrier. Mm. Um, and, and mm. that might be the thing that makes, makes you more likely to go, okay, you know what? I'm going to eat some Pop-Tarts, I'm going to play some video games, I'm going to wait until I feel better, and then maybe I'll try again. Um, which, 
is fine if you do that every once in a while, but I'd say, again, it's more problematic if that's something that, that is now routinely happening, um, where you're always encountering a, a significant amount of suffering when you're trying to engage in those creative pursuits. So, And it, and it would also be fine to, like, I'm just going to say this, it's probably a very obvious thing to say, but it would also be fine, too, if you're, you know, doing that, or maybe, well, you tell me, <laughs> but I think it'd probably be fine if you're doing that. And you know, the, the, the story that your brain is telling is like, this really isn't interesting to me. Like I'm not into this. And like, if you're not the, the, the reason it's like actually a barrier, you know, in, in my situation or was actually a barrier is because I really did want to make work. I really did want to make paintings and, or artwork or whatever I was working on at the time. And those thoughts would you know, come up and not just make me say, I'll try later, but make me say, I guess I need a new idea. Like I would just straight up like say, okay, well, I guess I can't do that. can't do that. And, you know, it felt like it was something that I, I didn't even attempt to revisit. I would just pronounce that one of them was not good enough and try to move on to another one. So, you know, but, but if I hadn't actually really been wanting to make work, that would have been fine too. Like it's, what am, what am I getting at that feels very basic here? Like just because you don't want to do something doesn't mean you have to do that. <laughs> like if it's not yeah. something that's, if it's ultimately in the way, I don't know, maybe that feels like too, too basic, but I don't, I, I think I'm, I'm a little sensitive to, to the idea of like, I think sometimes for, for creative folks, like there can be such, such this emphasis on like, uh, making important work, making uncomfortable work, making work that like asks the big questions or like challenges the man or whatever, uh, something that has been really helpful for me. That's been really transformative for me in some ways has been saying, you know what? It's okay. If this part feels too uncomfortable, this doesn't, I don't want to do this right now. I want to do something that feels easier. (laughs) And that, 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 that is, that's actually helped me to get to eventually be able to, to come back around to, um, to these other things that are like bigger and more challenging and more uncomfortable. So, you know, it's like a tension, I guess, between, yes, if this is the thing that's like, if it's, if it really is getting in the way for you, uh, then it is a barrier, but if it's just, you know, not where you want to go right then that's also okay. Yeah. I think that's an important caveat, right? That, that it's, it's possible that we talk ourselves into, believing or thinking that we're supposed to want to do something or we're supposed to enjoy something. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a thing that we really will enjoy and really want to do long-term. And so, you know, you, you might have an idea about like, Ooh, conceptually, it seems like it would be really cool to do this kind of project or be creative in this kind of way. And then you go and you test it out and you find, yeah, you know, that wasn't for me. So yeah, I'd say, putting a ton of effort into that would be uncomfortable. On the other hand, I also think it's possible that you could try something and because it's new, because you haven't done it, you're not good at it. Almost no one is good at something the first handful of times they do it. Um, And for some of us, that is the barrier. That can be really, really vulnerable and uncomfortable. Feeling, Feeling bad at something. Yeah, the first time that I, um, first times that I tried rock climbing, um, you know, like anyone, I wasn't great at it. And I also don't like heights and I also don't like falling. And so initially, after I went a couple of times, I was like, no, you know, this isn't for me. And I was making that decision, I think, 
because it was a really uncomfortable practice. Um, and I loved the idea of, of doing more of it. And, um, and so then I decided that I was going to keep doing it until it stopped making me uncomfortable. And then I could decide whether or not it was something I really wanted to do. And then by the time it stopped making me uncomfortable, it was something that I really, really, really enjoyed. So I, I think, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Pursue the things that you're excited about and also realize that some of your ideas, once you test them out and once you're trying them, a lot of them aren't going to feel good initially. Um, a lot of them are going to feel really uncomfortable because maybe you're really vulnerable or you're having to, yeah, you're having to accept and sit with some of those feelings of not being where you want to be or, or comparing yourself to other people, whatever the case might be. So a couple barriers you've mentioned so far are like, you know, barriers for how, like how, how it makes you feel physically. Like, you know, you were mentioning you don't like to fall when you're rock climbing, you know, <clears throat> other barriers could be like stories that your brain likes to tell. Are there, are there other barriers or would those be like kind of the two main categories? Yeah. So I would just add feelings to that. Right. Mm -hmm. So feeling, for example, inadequate or, or feeling stupid, um, or, uh, you know, feeling afraid or, or, um, you know, panicked. Um, those, those could all be reasons that your, your brain tries to talk you out of do, doing certain things or, or tries to say like, Oh, wait until a different time and, mm -hmm. and try it then. Maybe it'll feel better then. Maybe it'll feel better in the future. Um, which again, doing that some of the time, I think is totally great. Um, we all have bad days, but if, if that's the pattern that every time you're trying to do this thing, that's important to you, you run into this suffering, then, then I would say, well, there, there are ways of changing that suffering, but it, it requires practice and it requires some doing. Okay. So give, so give us some examples of that. So after you've kind of done a little reflection and you're noticing like where these barriers are showing up for you, um, in your creative practice, what are some things that you could try to, to work through them? So I think that most things that we do, um, in, including creative pursuits have, um, a, a component of skill, uh, and, and that it's not a, like, a, I don't know that creativity necessarily exists in a vacuum. Um, I think whatever kind of medium you're using likely has at least some level of foundational skill uh, that that you utilize in in Other that creation process. Yeah. Does, I mean, is that fair? And thinking about creativity as um, as a or, or any creative pursuit, thinking about it as a a practice, and knowing that as a practice. Um, what you produce will depend on the day, will depend on the conditions. Um, but I'd say that, that first there needs to be, um, there needs to be a bit of a container for that creativity in doing something consistently. The, the benefit of doing something consistently also means that you have a, a mechanism for starting to face and, and sit with and build your tolerance to some of those really uncomfortable physical, mental, or emotional experiences. So here's a, here's a really common scenario. Let's say a person is, uh, having difficulty with the starting of a project. Um, 
in my sessions with them, something that we'll do a lot is we'll, we'll then take a set period of time, let's say five minutes, 10 minutes. And the goal is you're going to start writing something. Um, even if that's the, let's say it's the outline for a paper, just start putting words to the page, even if they're not particularly great words. Um, even if it's not the quality that you want, don't care. The, the idea is could for, for 10 minutes, could you practice just attempting to put things on the page? Even if you only put a dozen words, that's great. The idea is that in the beginning, I, I would say we want to separate what is that ultimate goal? Um, we want to make a distinction between what is that ultimate goal and, and how do we get there? And instead of trying to achieve that goal in the beginning, what if we focus more on the basics of doing the practice itself? Um, sort of free of the expectation that it's going to be really great or that it's, it's going to be some awesome thing. But just start with trying to do the first couple of steps in the process. And I think what, what can then happen that can be really useful in doing that as a practice is that you can still then run into those same thoughts or feelings. Um, and you can start to notice and get curious about some of those stories that your brain is, is telling you about yourself. Um, what's something I think that's interesting is that certain feelings, the more that we lean into them and like wrestle with them, um, the worse we feel and the more we have those feelings. Um, for, for example, uh, something like sadness or, or hopelessness or helplessness, we know that um, the research says at least the more that we engage and stew in those feelings, the more we have those feelings. Interestingly, there are other feelings that when we hang out with them in a particular way, they actually get smaller and we have them less and we, we notice them less. So feelings like fear are a, a good example um, or worry, you know, concern about being, um, being judged negatively, that kind of anxiety. The more that we hang out with it, the less that we experience over time. Interesting. And so part of, part of what the practice could be around perfectionism is how do we set these really small, really achievable and measurable goals? Like I said, write for 10 minutes. And even if that means you're staring at a blank document, trying to come up with some words, but all you can do is just stare at that blank document, I'd say that's, that's good enough. And what we would want to do is create basically a pretty repeated practice where almost every day you're doing that same thing. So let's say every day for a week, you're setting the timer for 10 minutes and you're attempting to do some writing for that 10 minutes. I would say that in the beginning, the goal is just we're building that muscle memory of doing the practice, right? We're building those neural pathways so that it's easier to engage in the practice. Um, especially if it's something new, it, it's likely to be uncomfortable and our brain is probably going to find dozens of reasons why we could do something else, something better, something more productive. And so just sitting down and forcing yourself to do it 
and then running into and observing some of those barriers, it's going to be really uncomfortable, but it's not going to be that way forever. Uh, it will start to change. And you're also giving yourself more opportunities for that, that, you know, small chance that maybe it is one of those good days where you can make something really cool or, or you can finally start working on an idea that you feel excited about. And by giving yourself maybe five or six or seven of those opportunities a week, you make it so much more likely that you're going to produce something, even if it's an imperfect something, rather than waiting until all of the stars are aligned um, and, you know, the planets are where they're supposed to be right mm -hmm. before you're going to uh, attempt to even try. Yeah. So in, in, in some sense, I think of this as b building a skill around swinging at more pitches, right? A higher percentage of the balls coming in, trying, right? Trying to take a swing. And, and part of the muscle that I would say really needs to get beefed up for people that struggle with perfectionism is getting better at tolerating making mistakes, getting better at tolerating not living up to what your goal is. Um, and, and the more that you can be okay with getting it wrong, making something imperfect, making something that's a lower quality than what you're really capable of, the easier it is to have more, um, more possibility and more chances, more attempts at making work. Totally. Um, so, so I would say that that would be sort of a, a foundational place to start is how can we, how can we create a practice where we, where we allow ourselves to try with the expectation that we're going to try and get it wrong a bunch, um, and try and for now, for the short term, kind of see if we can get away from that goal of creating something truly beautiful and unique and world changing. Um, and instead focus on doing this sort of small achievable piece of the overall work. Work. Um, what, what would you say to somebody who's, who's struggling kind of on the other end, not with the getting started, but with like the get the putting it out there, the finishing, the saying this is done. So, you know, maybe if we have like kind of one creative person, you know, our, our, our archetypal perfectionist of one who we've just talked about, like they, they don't ever start in any work. They have all these great ideas and they really want to do it, but they don't ever start. And then we have on the other end, this person who maybe has made a lot of stuff and maybe they've even like almost finished a lot and they're just kind of sitting on this pile. Of, yeah. of creative work. Do you have any thoughts or practices for, for folks like that? Yeah, so um, great, great question. I, I think at its root, there's some, some really significant parallels. Um, but yeah, the practice might be a little bit different. So yeah, how would you tailor it then? To Yeah, so, so again, I, I'd say that the foundation of this is, is starting to get curious and observe, um, just through practice and experimentation. What are some of those barriers that arise, like we spoke about earlier? And I, I'd say that the majority of people that I work with that are, are in this group where finishing is the challenge, um, I think some of, some of the barriers seem to be around not wanting, um, not wanting to submit work knowing that they could, they could make it better than it is. 
and, and so not wanting to submit something that's 90% towards the goal when they know that maybe if they work hard enough, they could get it to 98 or 99 or maybe 100% of where they want it to be. Um, and, and so if there were enough time, right, and if there were um, more resources, they would be able to produce something better. And, and that discomfort around, again, it's vulnerable to not produce our best work. I think it's, it's vulnerable to do something that we, we feel is below our capability or our potential. So I'd say that in the beginning, um, really the intention shouldn't be achieving your ultimate goal. I, I know that's what everyone is going to be thinking about and that's what everyone is like hungry for. Uh, but I'd say that in the beginning, I think the practice is really more about how do we shrink these barriers? How do we, how do we shrink these feelings of not being good enough? And how do we shrink um, this concern that people are going to judge us or that people are going to think we're an imposter um, or, or whatever, again, those, those stories or, or those um, fears might be, those uncomfortable emotions might be. So I'd say that you want to build on periods of success and having many victories is actually going to be much more motivating and much more encouraging for you to want to do more and more and more. It, it's also, this is kind of obvious to say, but it's an, it's an easier lift. This has been amazing. I always love talking with you, but I am really grateful that you were willing to come on today and, and share. Happy to. I'll do uh, a wrap up in a minute, folks, where I'll, you know, do a little synopsis of everything um, and give you the invitation for the week. Um, but for right now, Kev, where can folks find you? So my website is whitemountainocd.com. Um, yeah, and that's basically where they can find you. Yeah, because you don't really do social media. No, okay, yeah. No, so, I don't. Uh, so you can find Kev on his website. I'll have that in the show notes. And are there any resources that you would recommend that folks check out if they're struggling with perfectionism? Um, any books or websites or anything? Yeah, I think that there is uh, there is absolutely loads out there. Um, but a, a couple things that I think fit pretty well with today's conversation. One would be a book called The Happiness Trap. Which has been uh, mentioned multiple times on the podcast. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. uh, oh, no, no, that's amazing. That's a, yes, yes. No, this is just, I feel like it's going to be the, yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, The Happiness Trap. Um, if yeah. you have not heard uh, previous episodes, um, yes, Russ Harris. Written, sorry. written by a physician, Russ Harris. Mm -hmm. um, he's a, an ACT therapist. Um, so happiness trap is really neat. I would also encourage people to uh, search on the, it sounds really specific, but the International OCD Foundation or Ooh. IOCDF. Um, they have a lot of really cool resources um, for, for people experiencing perfectionism. So I take mm. a gander there. Um, uh, much of that is going to be targeted towards folks that have a really clinically significant level of impairment with perfectionism. Um, but I think the the root in terms of what's going to be suggested in terms of managing or, or having less perfectionism, I, I think is going to be really, really parallel. Um, so I think yeah, those are the sense. two big resources I'd throw out there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kev. Um, really great to have you on. And yeah, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 
So before we wrap up today, I want to just um, take a minute to do a little synopsis since I know sometimes when information is in the context of a conversation, it can be a little bit trickier to track the specific points. But just to wrap up, if you are someone who is struggling with one of these um, presentations of perfectionism, whether it's the trouble getting started kind or the trouble finishing kind, um, Kevin gave us kind of a framework that could be used for either one of those. And the first step is to have some time of honest reflection. You can do it in the moment while these things are coming up for you, or maybe you can kind of sit down at a more neutral time and think back like, okay, the last time I was working on, on my creative work, the last time I was um, engaged in that process and, you know, I had, had trouble and perfectionism was coming up for me. Like what, what was it actually like? Like, how did it feel in my body? Was I feeling afraid? Was I feeling uh, anxious? And, you know, what kinds of stories was my brain telling? Like, what was the script that was running through my brain? Um, I think we've talked about this in another episode too. Identifying what these barriers really are. Kevin talked about, you know, actual like physical world barriers, challenges, and then, you know, like the the mental, the thought challenges, like the stories that your brain is telling, and then the emotional, um, you know, the way that it's actually feeling um, in, in your body uh, when when that happens for you. So yeah, identifying what those barriers are and um, getting kind of specific and honest with yourself about that and being willing to be vulnerable about that. And then in terms of like actually working your way past those barriers, Kev's recommendation is to strip things down, strip the process down to its like most essential ingredients. Even if the, the goal that they have ultimately feels so big and so overwhelming, like it's even more important to strip it down to the minimum requirement, the the very baseline uh, element of the thing. So even if you're not actually writing your novel when you're sitting down for those five minutes, just sitting down for five minutes with the with the screen on, with the um, the document open, and maybe you're writing something, maybe you're writing anything, um, doesn't even necessarily have to be the novel. And for those of you who who are feeling like, well, that's silly or that's pointless, and you know we've talked about this before too on other episodes, um, but how important it is, you know, and Kev had a unique take on this where it's like very important to give yourself these wins, essentially, you know, earlier in the episode, we talked about like how our brains kind of get stuck in these ruts of, you know, when we do encounter perfectionism and we're feeling stuck in that and we decide to give up or to delay or procrastinate or whatever any of these other strategies, uh, coping strategies are, we, we kind of wear that rut in our brain and the same thing, the reverse can happen if, if we're willing to take things down to their essentials, down to the very base elements and say, yes, I know I can win at this every day. I know if this is the goal, this is a tiny, tiny goal. And yeah, it feels silly at one level, but just the act of actually doing it and completing it and, and knowing that there's that, uh, win can help kind of reshape that pathway. So yes, stripping the thing down to the essential ingredients and just doing like a very small version of that and doing it really, really consistently. And of course, that consistency can look different. Um, the The reality of what it looks like to do that practice consistently can uh, be different if you are uh, somebody who's more struggling with the getting started kind of perfectionism versus the, um, the having trouble finishing kind of perfectionism. So just identifying like the place that you're hung up, the actual barrier, and then you know, what are the essential ingredients of that actions? Reflecting uh, on where your barriers are, being honest and vulnerable with that, 
um, to yourself and um, about that to yourself <laughs> and uh, then stripping down the, the thing that you're trying to do, the, the creative work that you're trying to make to its most essential, very, very, very basic form. Um, and then, you know, letting yourself have the opportunity to win, to actually complete that over and over and over again, as you kind of build back up some other, you know, um, build around those ruts in your brain um, that have come up from years and years of, of perfectionism. So the, the um, mind ruts. Uh, that is it for this episode. Thank you for spending time with me um, and for spending time with Kevin. <laughs> um, and uh, I hope you all liked it. If you did, please um, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Um, you can also share this episode with a friend. Perfectionism is such a common struggle. I'm sure you, you do have other friends that deal with it too. So if so, send this episode episode their way. And yeah, if you try any of these practices this week with your creative work, um, especially if you're somebody who's had a challenge just hitting publish on stuff, tag me. Um, I'm at Kendall Hillegas. Kevin is not on social media, but I will tell him uh, that you did it if you decided to, to tackle this. Yeah. And then thank you as always to uh, the team at Wave Editing, um, at Wave Podcasting rather, for editing this video. I think that is really, really it. And I will see you all next week. Bye.